The worst place you can let them come back to is your own home. They need to be around other recovering addicts that can recognize when they're manipulating. Family has a tendency of just loving them, being so glad they're finally sober. Not call them on their BS because they're afraid they're going to go back to drugs. Not realizing that you're helping them along the way. Let other addict be there for them. And if I can't help somebody in this situation, chances are I know of somebody that can with a different organization. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Robert Smiley with the Hand Up Project. Robert, can you tell us a little bit about the Hand Up Project and what you've been up to lately? Uh, well, Hand Up Project, we're a foundation that's designed to help people that are in hopeless situations. And the majority of the time, that's uh, detox and treatment. They have chemical dependency issues, as well as mental health. And a lot of it now is homelessness. What we do is we try to be on site for when somebody needs help. We'll pick them up, put them in the passenger seat, and we'll drive them to where they need to go to get into the next phase of whatever their mental health or whatever. It's going to walk them along to the next step. On the cleanups, when we go into the woods, we'll go in and we offer backpacks and supplies and food and let them know that when they're ready, we're here. Just pick up the phone and call us and we'll get them into detox and treatment the same day. But also we deal a lot with people calling us saying they have loved ones or they themselves are just done and they want help. And it's paramount that we just head right over and uh, scoop them up and... Whenever there's pauses, that's when they have an opportunity to rethink. And they're, I know my brain is out to kill me because <laughs> it, it helps me to make some of the worst decisions out there. It tells me it's okay, I can use one more day, uh, and it never works out the way my brain plans it. Yeah, I expect the same with others that I work with. If there's any gaps, we're going to lose them. What got you into this work? I was a I was a homeless addict for many years, and um, I kept trying twelve step programs, and I did it for twenty two years total. This time around, though, somebody told me in a meeting, Robert, if you're tired of failing at this program, you might want to actually try this program. So I committed myself to one year, a year and a day, and then I was going to party. To get that one year, I was going to do everything that was suggested, everything I was told to do, whether I agreed with it, whether I thought it was right or wrong, I was just going to do it. It turned out, you know, once I I removed my opinion out of the uh, scenario, then... (laughs) I got close to a year, and I didn't even realize it. I was so grateful for the new life that I'm living, and it's all because of other people giving me instruction. Turns out, I just had to let, listen to other people that have been through the process. I, I love that story, and I love it because, first of all, when I met you when you were clean and sober, and so to hear hear the stories about you just blow me away because I see all the good work you're doing and it's hard for me to picture you as a homeless drug addict. But on the other hand, you know things that a lot of people who try to help in services, they help coming from a reference of not knowing what it's like to be there. So how is the Hand Up Project different? When I've helped people I was doing it so that I could stay sober, but I had to, I used my experience to help them, to get them back on their feet. Once they got on their feet, um, 
and they're working a program and ch making changes, the best recourse was to have them help me find others. And so now it's just gotten to the point where I've got a whole bunch of people that are recovered homeless addicts that are going out there and helping others. And when they help others or they do the needle garbage cleanups that we do, they see themselves. And the only difference is they've made a decision to listen, listen to other people. And now they're part of the solution. That's part of their maintaining recovery is helping others. Not only does it benefit them, to go out and help others because others are getting help, but it also helps them to serve. Correct. And that's the main focus, even though I'd like to say because we like helping people, the reality is when I'm trying to help somebody and they're giving me excuses or stories, I recognized myself years ago. And I realized that if I don't maintain being open and honest and completely transparent, then I'm going to go back to being that type of person, and I'm going to do whatever it takes not to. The only way I can remind myself is by seeing it in others. And seeing, like, how far you've come? Yes, and what can happen if I stop doing what works. Right. I was one of those that sat there and told, oh, I, it won't work for me, or I'm not ready yet, or I give up. I, that stuff's not going to help me. I came up with every story in the book like I run into, and most addicts have. And once they realized when they gave up and just worked this program the way it was written, their lives changed, and they shake their head because one of the, it's depressing that I couldn't fix myself. I want to be, you know, be able to take credit for fixing myself. But it wasn't until I gave my will and my life over to a higher power and a program that taught me to be accountable on a daily basis did I actually start having a life worth living. And none of it was my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about gratitude. Oh, the gratitude aspect is phenomenal because right now, the way my life is going, I don't care about money. I don't have money. But whenever I need money, it seems to show up. I don't know how it works, but I'm grateful for it because I need that money to get people to detox and treatment, maybe cover housing or medical bills or IDs. And I don't know how it all works. I just know that when it's needed, it appears. That's where my gratitude is, is I've got a power greater than myself involved in my life that is watching out for me if I'm willing to stop and listen. How do you talk to an addict who's on the street? Do you talk to them about gratitude? That comes later on in the program. Mainly, I try to get them to be honest with me They could because for the most part, they start with the stories. And the reason why they're that way is because of what other people have done. And until we stop that and start taking responsibility for our actions, we don't grow. We don't stop doing it. It can't be because my mom or my dad did this to me. It can't be because somebody else thought I was a bad person. Or it's I'm making the choice to pick up a drink or a drug instead of not and going through the turmoil and working through the problem with a professional. So telling their story is a big part of their getting well? It has to be. What we found is, and it's also with studies and stuff like that, is when people tell, talk about their situation, that's when they get most of the ideas of, uh-oh, they recognize that what their part in it was. 
it falls into play. You just have to be conscious of what you're describing uh, in your story. Why did you use? It's because your you your body has a <laughs> tendency to want want a lot of dopamine, and then once it started getting it, it's not going to stop, and it's going to change your way of thinking to blaming others. Whenever the intention to get well, it's a fight, it's a battle. I've been hearing lately relapse is part of recovery. It doesn't have to be. It does not have to be a part of recovery or changing your life. I know quite a few people who have. And I have quite a few people that have said, I've tried, but relapse is part of my recovery. And it's for 22 years, I kept going in and out, in and out and relapsing. But the truth was, it wasn't that the relapse was bound to happen. It was going to happen when I didn't stop and get honest with myself and find somebody that would walk me through the steps or help me to identify my issues and be willing to listen to them. This stuff isn't easy. And I don't have good excuses to go back out. I go back out because I want to use. Being around other people in recovery and also helping others that need recovery, but we do it in a group group setting so that it's not just one person trying to save another person because it's not going to work. That always ends up to somebody relapsing because... Uh, back of our mind, we're seeing how tasty drugs and alcohol were. We forget all about the negative. We think about how good it would feel, not remembering that as soon as we take that drink or the drug, that instant regret is in our heads. We forget all that stuff. Now, I understand you have a new program. Do you want to tell us about that? Well, we've been helping to get people into off the streets and into either detox or treatment or mental health or employment, veteran housing, mental health housing, and mainly what it is is we were offered an opportunity to get hotel vouchers in September of last year, and I refused it unless I was able to get them all in one hotel. My problem has always been is that I see people going in and getting these vouchers for the hotel, and they go into the hotel, and they drink and drug or do whatever they're going to do with no oversight, no no support and they're not being held accountable for anything they're doing and at the end of the voucher which is my tax dollars also after 90 days they're back out on the streets and they're homeless and nothing got nothing got helped these vouchers are supposed to be used to help people get off the streets get away from all that and get a life worth living but the way it's been going is the homeless population is still increasing. What we found is that we got 22 hotel rooms. For these vouchers, they could only be working with certain demographics. We got all the rooms in the hand of project name. And when people, we did intakes on people. When they came in, we listed what their problems are. It didn't matter if they were still using or not. It was low barrier. But when they came in and did the intake, we learned if they needed insurance, ID cards, social security cards, whatever they need to get on to the next step, what they've tried to do. And if they need detox or treatment, we get them in, and when they come out, they come back out to the hotel until we can get them into the next step, which is permanent housing, which usually happens right out of treatment. We found that the problem has always existed that when people want help, they go out there, they do the footwork. The only problem is is when opportunities arise for them to get a situ- get help, 
they can't be contacted. Nobody can find them. The phone numbers don't work. We found that because they're in the hotel and we're feeding them, we're clothing them, they have curfews at uh, 10 o'clock. We do room checks twice a day because we want to keep them engaged. We even feed them by supplying with tobacco and coffee and clothing and everything. And what happens is a week or two later, when the housing navigator does get back to them, we know right where they're at. If they need mental health, the mental health social worker knows right where they're at. That eliminates all that. We've got a mayor group has helped so many people get into mental health housing. We've got the GI Foundation and the Veterans Services that have gotten so many uh, veterans into long-term dual diagnosis treatment as well as long-term housing. And these are people that have been homeless on the street for years. The problem is, is that nobody can find them when they're needed. What we're finding is put them in a whole a hotel, a treat them like human beings, engage with them on a daily basis to see what they've completed and what else they need help completing. We'll drive them to where they got to go, the whole nine yards, but they feel like somebody cares. And we've had so many people that came in as addicts that just for that reason have detox right in the hotel. They didn't want to go to detox. They did it right there. And now we were able to get them into permanent housing. They're not used to somebody caring. They're used to somebody saying they care and disappearing the next day. We help them clean their rooms or whatever they need. And they feel like humans. And then when we connect them with services, you can't say that the services weren't able to get a hold of the client because we know right where they're at. They have a, a phone right in their room that they can use. We have Wi-Fi they can use. We have tablets. They can do Zoom meetings with the doctors and everything. And when they make an appointment for something, they know they can make that appointment because we'll drive them there. We'll get them there one way or another. And we're going to sit with them. We're going to walk through it with them so that if they start getting squirmish or something that's overwhelming them, we can be there to say, it's okay, it's okay, we just have to finish this. And what we're finding is we're having a huge success rate on people that normally would be just getting a 90-day hotel voucher. Instead, they're coming into the program and in that time, we've gotten them into a more permanent situation to where they're not homeless. There's sometimes in order to get certain things done, you need several things to be taken care of. And if uh, one of which is usually an ID. But if they don't have the money for the ID, that just went backwards. If they got the money for the ID, where do they send it to? You know, we set up a post office box and a physical address so that we know in two weeks after we've sent away for that uh, ID, they will have it. So we And the appointments that they set up that are the week following that time period, they're going to make it because they're not trying to find drugs or, or food or showers. Everything's taken care of for them. A low barrier means it doesn't matter if they're still using when they come into the hotel. It's not a requirement that they be clean and sober. And the majority of them decide to get sober. And they'll go to detox or they'll detox in their room. And we'll help them through everything. You can't really expect people uh, that were getting off the street to all of a sudden come off of drugs, just quit and say, oh, okay, I'm done. Because addiction is a real physical problem. The body craves it. The mind tells us we need it, even if we don't. 
So we got a battle going on. I don't buy into the housing first model in that aspect that they just get an apartment and they move in and whenever they're ready to change things, they change things. Uh, that's why I prefer these hotel rooms. The problem I have with housing first model is there's no follow-up. See, at the hotel, we have we have security 24-7, two security people at all times. And they're not there to arrest anybody. They're there to make sure that people are taken care of and they're okay and they're healthy. And we supply all the food. We give them clothes. They need clothes. They need, if they have to do laundry, we have change for the machines. But the thing is, is on a daily basis, they're interacting with, you might say, like a case manager or other volunteers who have been through this ordeal. And they start bonding and building a relationship in these transitional type of situations like the hotels. They're not allowed to have guests. We're here to practice the COVID restrictions and focus on what we got to do to get into that permanent housing. Basically, every day we know what's going on with the client because we we go around and talk to them every morning and at night. You know, did you make this appointment? What roadblock did you hit? Do you really want this? And if they don't want any help, move on to the next step. It's not a best place for them. We let them go. My biggest concern is all the times I've spent my life manipulating the system just to get what I want. The problem we had was I never really got sober. I never better, bettered my life until I was willing to. But in the hotel program, we've got people that are seeing each other every day, and they're seeing these other people that they lived on the streets with that got in the hotel a week or two before that are listening to us and interacting with us and now moving into permanent housing, and they're like, Okay, so this can actually work. It's not a hand out. It's a hand up. So it's like these addicts that are volunteering with you are kind of reaching down and saying, hey, I did this. You can do it, too. Yes. And this is what works for me. You might want to try it because we don't tell people what they need to do. That's why I said it's a little barrier. If they don't want to give up drinking and drugging. I can find halfway houses that will accept them while they're drinking and drugging. They don't usually last long. It's usually because their addiction has created some kind of havoc and they lost their housing. Whereas people that are going through the steps and rebuilding their life and getting away from the addiction, we're seeing them still in their housing a year or two later. I heard you say two things. One, dignity. And I love that because you're treating them as human beings. And then choice because their choices get taken away when they have to do certain programs. They have to jump through hoops. And so it sounds like, you know, you're not only restoring dignity and making them feel like they're loved and cared for, but you're also giving them choices. And having choices is so powerful. And it truly is simply because you can't really tell them what they have to do. Yeah. What we do is uh, we let them know a little bit about our story, what our past was like, and what it took for us to change. I don't know if it's going to work for you. I really don't. But if you're interested in trying them, we can do this together. If we need to tweak it a little bit here or there, great. We can do it together. At least we'll learn together or we'll fail together. But when we fail, we just pick ourselves back up and we try it again. Right. The thing is, you're not being alone. And what's really a miracle is I've got people that were homeless addicts for years that are now sober and they've got a, just maybe a couple months or whatever, but they're showing back up 
and they're all clean and they're getting jobs. I'm able to help them get work. They're housed and they're just showing up just to talk to people that they used to do drugs with to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> I don't know if this program is going to work for you, but this is what I did. It takes being an addict to understand that, I think, because I often hear, well, it's their choice if they want to be on the streets. And it's like, oh, it's so much more than that. <laughs> it is. The issues that cause somebody to be a homeless addict are so difficult to overcome. It's not just because they want to. They've, they've pretty much burned. Once we get drugs in our system and start deciding we're going to be addicts, we burn a lot of bridges. Mm-hmm. We uh, cause a lot of chaos, and we lose trust of loved ones and people that care about us because of our behavior. And then when we want to stop and just be a normal person, Nobody trusts us. Family's not willing to work with us, and they have every right to be suspicious. Mm -hmm. But that's what I find when I get around other addicts that are in recovery. I feel like they're supporting me. I have to do all the work. If I want a paycheck, i got to go to work. i got to do the work. It's not just going to be given to me. These folks will say, well, if they just want a different life, they're what we call normies. And I hate to say it like this, but it's truth. Truth matter is, is that you sober up an addict or an alcoholic, and they are some of the most intelligent people you will ever meet. They take all that brain power that they put into manipulating, lying, cheating, stealing, you know, doing whatever to get more, more drugs. But now they're doing it for good, and they're really, they're just amazing people to be around. Especially when they're not going after the dollar, they're going after being of service to fellow man. That's one of the key parts is being of service to others for no other reason than it's what we're supposed to do. And if you Google Robert Smiley or the Hand Up Project, you will see that more than even the housing is you have done so many cleanup projects and you have gotten so many people off the streets and into rehab. And if somebody that's listening either has an issue or has a family member with an issue, how do they find you? Email is robert at thehanduppproject.org and my phone number is 425-971. One seven seven four. It's said to be the most memorized phone number in county jail. Because <laughs> I will help you clean up. People, once they realize somebody's sincerely going to be helping them, and we walk into the courtroom with them, the judges and the prosecutors and the attorneys realize, okay, this is somebody, we're not going to go in if somebody's trying to manipulate the situation. We ain't got time for that. And who would but know better give, than a, a former addict, right? Right. We have people in our houses that have been released directly from the jail to our houses. And, you know, if they happen to be somebody that's just manipulating the system and they don't want to follow the guidelines or the rules, then they can go back to jail and we'll make the phone call. Because I want people that are just sick and tired of their past life. But before this interview is over, one of the most important things I, I want to say is if you have a loved one that is battling with addiction, alcoholism, or homelessness, mental health, whatever, the best thing for you to do is to research nonprofits that will help them in that situation. But if they get into detox and treatment and all this stuff, the worst place you can let them come back to is your own home. They need to be around other recovering addicts that can notice, recognize when they're manipulating, when they're playing games. Family has a tendency of just loving them, being so glad they're finally sober. Not call them on their BS because they're afraid they're going to go back to drugs. Not realizing that 
you're helping them along the way. Let other addicts be there for Thank you for that. That is great wisdom. And, and I can say here, here, because I've been in that situation and because of your words, I have made sure not to let my addict in stay in my house. And it's been hard, hard, hard. But on the other hand, it's really the only way they're going to get well. It's gut-wrenching. Some yeah. of the things I, see, I hear mothers go through because, let's face it, you do love them. Mm-hmm. And when they get sober for a month or two, you want to just shower them with praise, being so grateful because you're getting them back, not realizing that you're opening a door of opportunity where their brain, not to kill them, is going to say, you know what, maybe I can just use once in a while, and there we go. Well, thank you so much. And I'm just, I'm never surprised that you give out your phone number, but I'm always amazed because I know that you will answer. And I've called you all times of day and night, and you you answer or you text back, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the calls because it's how I stay sober. Mm, It's how I don't go back to that life. Well, thank you so much, Robert. The Hand Up Project, thehanduppproject.org. Fantastic. And if I can't help somebody in this situation, chances are I know of somebody that can with a different organization. So we can do this together. I love that. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Fantastic. And thank you for everything you're doing. It's so good when I do hear some of the podcasts. It needs to be known that people need help and not one organization is going to do it. Right. Last with piece. a whole bunch of organizations because... No one organization is going to have all the answers, and you're helping to bring us all together. Oh, thank you. That's what's so great about what you're doing is that you so graciously network with other organizations. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.